It's the Q Review Season 2. Zach Benson. Zach, welcome to the Q Review Podcast. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. You're in New York City right now, right? Yes, currently living my best New York City, sex in the city sort of lifestyle. Hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. It was a fantastic show and it it was very successful. And maybe that bodes well for you in New York City as well. Oh my God, of course. <laughs> um, so we've done, uh, we did a little bit of a published interview before you released your current singles. And we talked a little bit about that So uh, then, but uh, we're going to kind of dive in a little bit more. Last time we talked, uh, it was just before releasing Kitchen and a little song called Everything Reminds Me of You. So it's been a couple of months since then. Has it performed the way that you were hoping? Yeah. Tell us about what's kind of happened since the release. I mean, the only thing I really hope for whenever I release music is that people are connecting to it on, like, a personal, relatable level. Streams are one thing in my mind and, like, the numbers and whatever. But, like, my number one thing is just can people relate to this song, form a deeper emotional connection, or just, like, bop to it at a party? Those are the things that I care about the most, like, seeing people on Instagram or just sending me texts being, like, this is very sweet and nice and... Or they're just, like, jamming to it at a pregame or whatever. So in terms of that, I am, like, super happy and super just over the moon with the amount of people who are, like, relating to or just straight up enjoying the the songs. Especially Everything Reminds Me of You. Like, that's my favorite song production-wise that I've ever done. And so to see people like really respond to it and enjoy the production just like gets me so excited. Now, when we talked last, you said Kitchen was a little bit more like, you know, your original Zach Benson stuff that you were creating and everything reminds me of you was a new venture and a new direction that you were kind of hoping that people would come along uh, with you on on that that Mm. path. I have to say from everything that I could see, people really took to it. So that being said, is that now a style that you're looking to kind of do more in? 
Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, with the stuff I'm making right now for my own personal music, I don't really go into it being like, I want to like write 10 songs that have this exact style and like make it my new sound or whatever. It's just like whatever I'm inspired by at that point. So yes, the whole like early 2000s, late 90s, like house, super dancey pop situation, I'm like still very inspired by it. But I'm also kind of going in this sort of like Lord minimalist direction now as well in some of the stuff that I'm making. So it's kind of all over the place. There's a little bit of everything. Which that'll be really interesting, especially with your background and, and your style and approach to things. That would be a very interesting setup for, for a music style. So I'll be interested to hear that. For those who, who have never who are listening, um, who have never heard of you, you or, or haven't don't know that much about you. You got started really early in music, didn't you? Yeah, in terms of like general performance and writing songs i really started touring and playing shows when i was in like seventh grade i was a drummer originally and i was in like little pop punk bands doing like a show on the weekend here or there recording music and writing songs and all that so i've been in the the music biz and around some cool musicians since i was like 12 or 13 you play keyboards and you just mentioned drums because you're kind of a bit of a multi-instrumentalist aren't you I mean, you said it, yeah. We love all the <laughs> instruments. You know, because you're an indie artist and the the whole do-it-yourself uh, component with uh, being online and having access to so many things, you see a lot of folks, I guess, using electronic uh, sounds because they're easy to, easier to access, I guess, without mm. having the background of playing a lot of instruments. Um, where you actually have that knowledge and, and kind of brings that to the forefront a little bit. When you're writing, is it keyboard that you start with, something else, or is it just just lyricism at the at the start with the new stuff i'm gonna say it's more production based to start off just because i'm like really obsessed with finding new interesting sounds and then like kind of writing a song around something that inspires me in terms of just like the sound of an instrument with everything reminds me of you it started with that like buzzy bass line and that like piano noise and with Kitchen, it was that very Whitney Houston, like, 80s-inspired electric piano. And then the song sort of forms itself around that. And that's sort of different from when I was, like, in high school and writing songs primarily on, like, acoustic guitar and just keeping it on that. I haven't done a song like that in a while where it's, like, lyrics or, like, chords first. And then, like, it's very based on, you know, the story and all that. Right now, it's more focused on, like, the production elements. And it's obviously working for you because, like I said, Everything Reminds You of You is a song that you hear it and you see people talking about it. Because I guess I'm online and I'm always looking for new artists and that I see things probably maybe a little bit more rapidly than maybe you do. um, Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure that you're doing other things other than being online looking for yourself. But with the release of the two singles, what surprised you the most? I would say that what surprised me the most was just like, how many people took on to kitchen initially because i feel like i don't want to be like my brand but like who i portrayed myself out to be was this sort of like cutesy innocent i don't know what i'm doing kind of person and then kitchen was this raunchy like i want you to kiss me in the kitchen like very direct very sexual kind of song it and was forward. <laughs> it was very forward. Uh, it was no holds back. Like, you know what we're doing in that kitchen. We're not making enchiladas. So I was surprised that people who have been listening to me for a while were 
super on board with it. And I was glad that it was able to help me find even more people who are, you know, into that more forward, raunchy sort of sound. So I was happy about that aspect, too. It's a little bit of, you know, if you have fans that have been with you for a while, they're kind of growing with you, too. So it's nice that they are willing to grow with you and see you as, you know, not just as, you know, in one box, but, you know, that box gets bigger and bigger and takes on a lot of different corners. Yeah, when I was uh, performing the song, I would always introduce it as um, this is my Miley Cyrus bangers moment. Or not even <laughs> bangers, this is my like can't be tamed. I feel like we'll get to bangers eventually, but this is my I'm 17 and I'm like, I can't be tamed kind of moment. So <laughs> It's one of the things that I noticed about the, the song uh, after listening to your back catalog and that it was a definite change for you. It was much more mature and you were really... Got it. Not to disparage anybody out there, but sometimes you will see artists who will force it into play simply because they want to have a different image or um, they want to take on a different kind of role where yours felt very organic and that it was like, yeah, I'm this is happening and and in my life and I want to kind of talk about it. So it felt much more natural and a natural progression for your music. Yeah, I mean, the goal is always to be as authentic and real in the lyrics as possible, just because I know that from a listener perspective, my favorite lyricists were like the bands I listened to in high school where the lyrics were like hyper specific. And even though they were referencing like dates and places and people that I've never been to or I've never met before, like I was still able to connect to it on a basic level and associate it with certain memories in my mind so that's where I really draw the lyrics from you know that authentic place so and with you being in New York now and your family is is back home and uh, is it North Carolina no it's not North Carolina is it oh it's Virginia 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 is was that a was that a, a hard move for you was there a lot of separation there like how how did they see the move my family was, I mean, I'm super close with my family. Like, my siblings are my best friends. My parents and I are really close. I would say that the move, it was happy in that they knew that if I wanted to go and pursue music and do these production things and have these cool opportunities, I couldn't do it in Virginia. I mean, you can with uh, the internet now and I primarily work with people online if I'm collaborating. So I could stay in Virginia for that aspect. But in terms of some other musical and non-musical opportunities that I wanted to pursue, uh, they knew that New York would be the place for that. And my mom was actually super excited about it because she literally told me in a car ride one day, she was like, I just want my kids to live in interesting places so I have a reason to visit. And I was like, work, let's do it. <laughs> I was like, She'll work. start to push you further and further away. I would like to see Australia. Perhaps you should be she there was for like, a bit. Morocco has a great music scene. You should try it out. I'm like, okay. Mom, you're trying to get rid of me. You just want she, vacation spots. She really just wants, like, she's, I think they're coming up here for um, uh, close to Christmas. And she's already, like, planned out the whole thing. She's like, I want to see this show. I want to visit this thing. And I'm like, okay, you want to see me too? What's up? <laughs> It's so many spots in New York that you can play. Have you actively started trying to, to play live in New York, or are you still getting the lay of the land? I had a few shows. I mean, I've played here before. On uh, I did a tour last year, and um, two of my best friends who are uh, managing me at, of right now, they uh, live up here in Brooklyn and have been living up here for a few years, and they helped me book shows in, like, on Long Island and in Brooklyn and in Manhattan. And the first two weeks I was here, I had a show uh, at Rockwood Music Hall, which is this 
cute little performance space and I was like obsessed with the show. So yeah, I've gotten the lay of the land a little bit and I've been to a billion shows since I've been here too, just like to meet people and to see good music. So I've gotten a little bit of a lay of the land, but I'm excited to keep exploring. It's interesting when people move to new places and the city becomes part of the narrative a little bit and it changes your writing style. It changes kind of maybe some of the things that you've seen. Is it starting to impact you a little bit in terms of of your creative energy? I'm not sure. I haven't really reflected on that too much. And I've only been here for a month and a half. So I'm not thinking that it's changing really dramatically. But I am starting to take my production work a bit more seriously and trying to make it sound really crisp and fine tuned as opposed to just sort of putting something out and being like, I hope people see that I put a lot of work into it. It's like, no, make it sound really crisp and fresh. And I think being here has kind of forced that just because of some of the people that I'm working with and becoming friends with are so damn talented and so good at what they do that I just want to like be better to match that. So I guess it's just made me want to be a better producer and a better musician But in terms of like stylistically, I don't know if there's been a change so far. That's fair. That's fair. It's just, yeah, sometimes the uh, locations can can add a lot. But for you, maybe the location is around people. Because speaking of which, and I've seen a couple of photos Mm -hmm. online. uh, So it seems as though you're making friends with other artists in New York. Heck yes. Yeah, Um, because I believe I saw you in a picture with both... Was it was it Yavin and Gregory Dillon? Yes. So you're 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 getting to meet those guys. Uh, Manny and I, Manny who is Yavin, he and I have known each other for I think like a year and a half now, maybe a little bit less than that. But um, I did a show in Boston last June, and right afterwards he like reached out and he was like, "Hey, I just saw you were here, and I didn't get to come to the show, but I love your music, and I'm a musician too." And I listened to his stuff and I was like obsessed with it. And so I was like, let's literally be friends and do a show. And then earlier this year, I did another tour and we did a show together in Boston and like hung out the whole night and it was a blast. And so he came to New York over the weekend and he stayed at my house both nights and um, we just like hung out the whole time. And he had a songwriting session with Gregory who I hadn't met before, but we follow each other on uh, social media and all that. He invited me to that. We wrote a song together. Um, and Gregory is like a very sweet, super talented and smart guy. So yeah, just being able to hang out with them over the weekend was like the coolest thing ever. Gregory is our alien boyfriend forever. Uh, <laughs> we love Gregory. We love him a lot. He's he, such a uh, sweetheart. He's so cool. He was on season one of the uh, of the podcast, and we had a great chat. And so, great that you're you're connecting with those guys because there are they're very talented. And it's I always ask the um, I call them the 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 LA crew, the Q crew, yeah. and uh, all those guys and and gals that are in LA who tend to work together. And that it's nice to see that happening in New York City as well. Everything reminds me of summer sixteen. Listening to CDs in your car We were driving round screaming summer 16 Why I feel so lost in the dark Everything reminds me of 2017 On your back porch we sneak to your room We 
were just kids So like what do you mean That it all withered away so soon Everything reminds me of you A minute to, to kind of talk about everything reminds you of you. We've had you on our chart, and you've been at number one now for three weeks. Which is the weirdest, coolest thing ever. Uh, it's interesting to kind of watch the, the votes come in and how they go. Because sometimes with, with some songs, it'll be like a spurt of votes. And then that's kind of like what happens because somebody has posted something to say, hey, go vote for me or that kind of thing. Where yours have come in uh, consistently each week throughout the week. So it's kind of, it's interesting to watch that because in my opinion, I think people, you know, picking up on it, hearing about it either through other people or coming through on different playlists and stuff like that. What's your thoughts on why it's, it's resonating so much uh, with people and, and keeping you at that number one spot? I really don't know. I mean, I'm so, so happy that it's there. And the reason I love the song so much is because a, it's, a bop like i'm so stoked about the production on it i think it sounds really sick but i think lyrically it's this also like very relatable thing that i haven't really heard in a song before where it's about like missing an ex but knowing that you shouldn't i feel like there's a lot of like damn i miss my ex or like i'm so over you or whatever but there's not really like this in between of like oh my gosh i'm over you but like i just miss knowing what you're up to or I miss I walked by this like coffee shop and we had a date there once and now I'm thinking about that and I'm like I should be over this you know hopefully it's that mix of like relatability with um that banger beat there's a lot of I was just talking with this with the with someone else earlier uh, about this there's a lot of the electro poppy 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 kind of songs that are coming out there especially from queer artists and I'm I'm curious as to what you what you feel maybe sets you apart from maybe some of the white noise that's out there that people are kind of grabbing grabbing a hold of. I would say it's I mean my background in like pop punk and coming from the Harrisonburg Virginia music scene. First of all, I could talk about the Harrisonburg Virginia music scene for like 20 years. I think they have it's like one of my favorite places and maybe it's because I lived there for four years when I went to school, but um, the amount of talent that's in Harrisonburg, Virginia and the DIY like upcoming music scene there is just like out of this world. It's not pop at all. I was one of the only pop musicians there, but it's a lot of like hip hop, R&B, uh, indie, uh, straight rock and roll, some like screamo and hardcore and a lot of like shoegaze and math rock and just weird stuff but being there and coming from this background of like live music pop punk in your face just sort of made me want to come at pop music in a direction that was a little bit more left of center and draws from you know a lot of my best friends who were in Harrisonburg and making music so I would say just like having those influences of hip-hop and indie rock and like hardcore at some points sort of feeds into what I make and that kind of sets me apart from some of these like straight pop artists which I love straight pop and like 
I will listen to Ariana Grande. <laughs> Who else? Like everyone. Uh, the world under... will listen to her. Apparently, the world. <laughs> oh my god! I could also talk about Ariana Grande for like twenty hours straight. So perhaps it maybe it is that understanding of and the handling of different styles of music. Also, being able to use the expression "toothy little grin" in a song, I think, works really, really well in your favor. <laughs> Love that line. In terms of future collaborations, should we expect to maybe hear some recordings with uh, with some of these other folks in there? I don't want you to have to give too much away, but if there's a nibble there, you want to let us in on? Yeah, I won't give too much away. In terms of, like, a straight collab, like, it's, like, Zach Benson featuring somebody else, and it's both of our voices on a song. I'm not sure of that yet, because we haven't really recorded uh, anything, uh, the people who have worked with together. When I'm working with people, it's mostly I'm producing the music, but I've been able to do some really, really cool collaborations with some New York artists, some people that I've just met through like Twitter and Instagram. And a lot, like I'd say like 90% of them are like queer artists too, which is like my favorite thing in the whole world. Being able to write and produce for like other LGBT musicians is like, it just feels very validating and genuine and ah, I love it. But in terms of things that I know for a fact are actually coming out, over the summer, I produced with one of my friends from Harrisonburg. His name's Adi. Uh, he's putting out an album, and I help produce a lot of it. So he's an angel. A-D-I is how you spell it. And then uh, my friend Peter Jesse, who uh, is in Canada, actually. Shout out, Canada. Yeah, Peter. Um, I produced a song for him, and his voice is angelic and, like, butter. And so I was really happy to write him an instrumental and mix the vocals on that. Peter, Peter's got some cool stuff going on. He's an absolute sweetheart, too. Like, through working together, we've become, like, genuine friends. And so he's a sweetie. And and you mentioned that, you know, it's one of your favorite things to work with queer artists. And that brings us back to a little project that you had off happened before, Power to the Queer Kids. Hell yeah. And I'm wondering what the state of the future of Power to the Queer Kids is, because now you've met a whole slew of folks. And I'm sure that your brain is probably going in overload about what you could do with that project. When I put it out originally, so... And for it, those for those who are who are listening who aren't familiar, tell them a little bit about what what it is. Yeah. So when I started making music, I had this mantra that I would just put on like little pins and stickers and sell them at my shows, and it was power to the queer kids. And it was at first just like this general like statement of I'm an ally, I'm queer with you, even if you're not like a queer person, like we can all wear this and support like LGBT youth and all that, which is like one of the main reasons why I make music in the first place is to make the little like 14, 15, 16 year olds who may be struggling with identity, like feel very seen and very valid in their identities. So I started doing that. And then early last year, I had this idea of turning it into not just like a mantra, but an actual physical thing to be released over Pride Month. And I was like, what would be cool? What would be cool? What would be cool? And I love the idea of how music can really help aid people in their coming out process. I know that there's like a billion songs that I listened to when I was first coming out, and they were the things that helped me through it. And so Power to the Queer Kids is a compilation album of a bunch of my queer artist friends covering songs that are the songs that were really impactful to their queer identities. And so we released it right before Pride Month last year. 
and it's the widest range of music. Yavin's on it. Um, my friend Leon Waldo's on it. We have a million other queer artists that are on it that absolutely killed it and they're just covering songs that are really meaningful to them and and i think it's an incredible project and i think that there's and the reason that you wanted to do it i think speaks so importantly to what's happening in the world and the state of you know suicide rates uh there's i don't know if you know artist matthew james he's also done like video about you know um suicide related instances with lgbtq youth where do you see the future of it kind of going I'm really glad you brought up the suicide rate thing, too, because all the proceeds that we made off of that went to the Trevor Project. And so mental health and self-care and raising awareness for just being able to talk about things like depression, anxiety, that's also one of my main things. Um, In terms of the future, I would really want Power to the Queer Kids to become a yearly thing. And literally speaking of that, I'm starting to think, like, maybe I should start reaching out to people now so that they have time to record and produce and do all that and make it sound the crispest and the cleanest. I want it to be huge. I want it to be this incredible thing that we get like bigger artists on. I would love to start reaching out to like the LA queer scene because all the artists that we had on last year, I mean, they're we had a diverse range. We had people from all different backgrounds, people from all different sides of the spectrum of sexuality and gender. So I'm hoping that, you know, the range of voices just increases, the number of people involved in the project increases, the project itself is able to reach more people, and hopefully that will be coming out again uh in june of 2020 so i know i know i've i've spoke to like a few thousand artists uh online so if you're <laughs> looking to reach out to some folks let me know i will put you in touch especially across the pond over in the uk and uh different places because i think that if they hear about it i think they would totally want to be a part of it and i can see artists like lucy whitaker and samson even uh, over in the uk K- katie brooks who has uh, an incredible story herself and then down in la when you're when you're thinking about folks like uh, Davy Boy or Ralphie mm-hmm. or, you know, Michael Madrano and down there uh, all around the world. And even in Canada, uh, there's so many artists that are here who would who would want to be involved. So I think you I think you've got a project that is really important and really powerful and i think that you you have a lot that you can kind of do with it so kudos to you and i think it's uh it's a fantastic uh, endeavor that you started and yeah i think that there's lots of people out there who would want to help you well thank you very very much yeah if you're literally listening to this right now and you're an artist hit a boy up because <laughs> i want to make some dope music and make some dope money for some dope charities <laughs> In the area of activism, it's kind of it's not that it's cliche, but or or shouldn't be super expected. But because you know, being part of a marginalized community, it's almost expected sometimes when we have platforms uh, that you know it's automatic that we move into activism and that we get involved in different things. So I'm just mm-hmm. curious if you've you know, have you gone that route um, recently or in in any kind of depth, or if are you looking for that other than the the CD itself? Like I said before, my main thing when I started this is to, like, empower queer youth and uh, make people who either are just coming into their identities or they haven't fully formed their identities yet in their own mind, just making them feel, like, welcome and safe and valid to express who they are in a non-judgmental environment. That's what the live shows, I really want the live shows to be exactly like that. 
I want the videos and the visuals to be super inclusive. And yeah, like you said, when you're part of a marginalized identity, there is this sort of expectation of activism or that you're like the voice of your group sometimes. Especially when I was in Virginia and I was one of the few out LGBT musicians in the scene and I was writing songs that, you know, were all about my identity. There is this expectation for activism, which I'm like also all for because I love helping out whoever needs it, you know, then there is such a huge need. But in terms of like literal activism, I don't have anything planned for right now, except power to the queer kids and just a general sense of I'm going to be as authentic as possible. And I hope that that allows people listening to feel as though they can be their authentic selves as well. well. No, I think that's that's all you can do. I mean, you're a young artist, and I think you already have one piece there that's, that's so strong that, to run with. And I'm sure that there's going to be things that will come up along the way that people will start to ask you to be a part of, because if I notice anything, especially within you know small communities like this and, and folks working together, is that when somebody starts to do social good, um, it really does inspire others to do that too. So then it becomes, uh, uh, like you mentioned, kind of like a bit of a cross pollination amongst artists so uh you mentioned your parents possibly coming up for the holiday you should get yourself on a bill somewhere so that that they can also see you perform (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean they've been like the most supportive people from when i was like 12 and 13 lugging my drum set to like random dive bars that i wasn't even allowed to be in to play shows so they've always been and even with the solo stuff recently like they've come out to again random dive bars where it's a bunch of like drunk college kids and like just like lgbt people running around and they're just like we love this so they've just been like the best so what does the holidays look like for you uh for me it's going back to virginia i mean family's huge for me so thanksgiving and christmas i'll be back home new year's i have to come back here because it's new york and i would love to be in new york for new year's so now moving into 2020 what what are the goals what are you thinking of music wise and and do you have things kind of set forth in terms of releases or are you just taking it as it comes I mean, goals that we have, I just talked to um, my managers, Tori and Maggie, about this because we just love organization. The plan right now is a possible full-length album. I have a few songs on the back burner right now that I'm just like waiting until I write more songs and get them fully mixed and produced. Hopefully that'll come out like April or May. And again, that's all very tentative. Like, I'm still in the middle of writing all of it, so nothing is set in stone. Would love to, like, put out a full-length project. Would love to do a tour that's even longer and covers even more of the U.S. than before. So um, going down to Nashville, doing, like, some of Southern Virginia that I haven't hit yet, and then going all the way back up to Boston because I have friends and uh, fans up in Boston now. And they're the sweetest human beings. And so I want to be there again. So yeah, tour, album, uh, full scale production music video too. Something that looks like it could be on MTV back in like when they were actually showing music videos. (laughs) Back in the old days. Back in the old days. I mean, the old day, I still remember like when MTV was showing a lot of music. I remember being like my cousin's house and like obsessively watching uh my chemical romance videos like on her tv being like what is this miss that era i want to put out an album and do a tour and do a music video those are the three before summer hits are the three goals 
I totally want to. I want to see you do a, a full-on new pop punk like go like hardcore. Uh, oh I just my god! You just destroy. <laughs> it literally becomes a fantasy of mine at some point. I imagine myself at age like forty in a full like classic rock cover band. Which at that point, classic rock is going to be like Blink One Eighty Two and like Green Day and Fall Out <laughs> Boy and all that. Like that is the goal: is to just like be a drummer in a emo cover band. Lofty goals, but it, they're good ones. <laughs> it's a good goal. I fully see myself, if I ever become, like, a suburban dad, I'm going to be that, like, you remember the glory days of, like, Fallout Boy and all that? Like, that's going to be, like, my life. Talking to young people and be like, what, you never ever heard of them? Yeah, back oh. in my day, we had Paramore. Like, it's going to be that. <laughs> i got a couple of, of fun questions for you. Hit me with some fun. I love some now fun. That we've, uh, now that we've kind of done 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 the whole like get to know you now we're gonna really get to know you summer on the beach winter in the snow i'm gonna hit you with a summer at the beach okay no problem superpower of choice i would love the ability to control time be able to like go back and reverse a mistake or like flash forward if something is boring or i'm just like doing nothing or pause time and like be able to change things like that would be the number one all right and here comes the hard one hit me this is the one that 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 always kind of stuff people either jump in really fast on this because it's it's very in front of them or they have to like really think about it we'll see celebrity crush Celebrity crush, I already know. It's every freaking skinny white boy out there. Troy Sivan, <laughs> Harry Styles, Timothy Chalamet. I also have this really big thing for just anyone who is, like, the most talented human being in the world. So, like, Donald Glover is so it for me. Frank Ocean, too. Hello. Get out. It's really anyone who's, like, talented and good-looking. <laughs> That's those, it. Those guys, like, uh, both Glover and Ocean, they really they take it to another level. Like they're, yeah. they're writing and they're thinking and they're, they're creating in a completely different world. And it's a good place to be. It's the coolest thing to see ever. I also just have a thing for like nerdy boys in general. Um, <laughs> so what's his name? He plays Cheaty on the good place, which I don't know if you've ever watched the good place on NBC, but like the best show in the whole world. I think his name is William something Harper. Like, he's this, like, very nerdy, like, awkward, shy character, but there's this one scene in season three that comes out of nowhere where he just, like, kind of loses it and loses, like, all sense of being and hope, and so he just kind of, like, takes, like, all of his clothes off and just starts, like, running around the town, and he's a good-looking man. (laughs) And he had that, like, nerdy sort of, like, appearance at first. And so I was like, oh, my God, you're adorable. I'm in love with you. And then he had this, like, ripped body. And I said, where did this come from, sir? So what you're saying is uh, queer nerds out there, start listening to Zach Benson. Queer nerds or just, like, the skinny, curly hair white boys that are (laughs) popping up every four seconds on Twitter. Well, Zach, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. It, it was. And uh, I I can't wait to kind of like swing back around to chat with you again um, as we get through the year and you start releasing more. And, you know, if you're if you're starting to, to work on uh, Power to the Queer Kids more yeah. um, to kind of see how that goes and and what kind of comes of it. I'm, I, I think it's a great project for you. And I think that you've started something that can really spread wild, especially when you think about all the different uh, organizations organizations that are out there so kudos 
Well, thank you very, very much. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Everything reminds me of you. Remember, you can find Zach Benson online on Instagram and Twitter at BackZenson. He's changed the Z and the B around just to make it difficult to say online. Friends, we are going to be off next week because uh, in case... Santa's coming! Yes, in case you didn't realize, it is the Christmas week. And I don't think anybody wants to spend time listening to us when they can be having time with their family. Yes, but if you do, we've got a whole back catalog. Do We do. If you want to get away from the crazy of Christmas, fire on a pair of headphones and dive into season one and what we've done so far for season two and find out all the earth-shattering behind the scenes of all these great artists yes uh next week because it will be 2020 2020 i feel like barbara walters i know uh, because it's going to be 2020 we have a special episode with you and our good buddy doug doug style doug style will be joining you for a new year's day chart chart wrap Charts, up chart, yeah. chart kind of talking about the year yeah talking about our top songs of the year um you know what stood out and what stood out not just for the year but like you know our top 10 artists and our top 10 songs um uh, over the the decade as well we're going to wow. do a decade wrap-up because it's 2020 and that's You're 10 gonna years. You're going to really go back in the archives there. I know because think about. I, I, I've been, I've been doing some research already, so, right, I'm, so I'm, preparing, I'm preparing for it. Aside from just Doug and I sitting down and, and yourself as well and talking about um, our top tens and, and the decades and that kind of stuff, we're also going to be doing a look back online uh, on uh, the QReview.ca and the website and posting our top 50 countdown of the top 50 songs over the year. Best of 2019, that's what we're looking Best for. Best of 2019, I don't Best know. Best of the decade. Best of the decade. Best of the ladies. Best of the ladies. We will see you back here in 2020.